I would bet that there are a significant number of people who learned a Fortnite related dance, but they don't even know that it's from Fortnite. They've right. just seen someone do it and they've seen enough people do it. They're like, oh, I need to learn how to do that dance. Yeah, I always see the people, the kids flossing and I just did it. And yeah. then I realized it's from Fortnite too. So, Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome back to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. I am so excited to share today's interview with you. It features Rob Lee, who is one of the co-founders and co-owners of the Pittsburgh Knights. Now, Pittsburgh is well known as a sports town between the Steelers, the Penguins, and the Pirates. There's a rich story tradition of sports excellence. In 2018, a new sport exploded onto the scene Esports, gaming, stars like Ninja went from zero to over 20 million YouTube subscribers. And teams like the Knights are charting a course not just for the future of entertainment and gaming, but also for how fans, athletes, and other interested parties collaborate together to create a rich contextual experience. We spoke about all of this with Rob, who is recently announced a partnership with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He actually alludes to it in this conversation. He couldn't yet say it publicly. So uh, that only came out in the last few days. And it's very exciting news to see a new chapter of Pittsburgh sports begin. If you're trying to figure all this stuff out, this is a great conversation to just hit on a lot of the 101 level ideas here. We talk about when the big championships are, what type of games the team focuses on, how they make those decisions, and how Rob got involved. So enjoy this conversation with Rob Lee. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be speaking with you, and it is a very exciting time, uh, generally for the world of sports, uh, specifically esports, the Pittsburgh Knights. And I know that a lot of people are going to be coming from uh, a very low-level understanding of this arena. So let's just start off by explaining the team, the Pittsburgh Knights, how you compete, the specific games that you guys participate on, and what it's all about. So our, the Pittsburgh Knights is no different from any other traditional sports team. If you're talking about the revenues, they're nearly the same, except that you there's a prize pool at the end of the day when you win the Super Bowl version of esports. But it's a little bit diverse, right? Um, when you have to compare it a little bit with, let's say, I use the sports teams as a, an analogy because that's the closest thing I could really get to an esports team. Um, we're a video game team. We have players that play and put on a show as much as like football players or, or baseball players put on a show for the MLB, the NFL, the NHL. Right, it's the same way. But however, the Steelers and the Pirates and the Penguins, they're limited to the one sport that they are in, right? You don't see the Steelers diving into golf or like poker players or they're not sponsoring or 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 taking um those those players under their roster. So they're only in football. Pirates are only in baseball. Penguins are only in hockey. However, the Knights have unlimited and this is what everyone talks about, how esports is kind of like this untapped potential of global market. When you hear about baseball, it's like mostly in America, right? The Super Bowl and, and the you know the NFL, it's like an American sport. Soccer is more global, but just, just because it's easier for people to kick around a ball. However, in esports, there's games that have a wide variety of genres that um, the Knights participate in. 
So imagine if the Steelers could not only have their football team, but their they could they could have a baseball team, they could have a, a hockey team, right? The Knights, they we have teams in a whole ar- array of games. PUBG, you've probably heard about the Fortnite craze. We have Fortnite players. We have Fortnite team. We have a Call of Duty team. We announced that a little bit ago. Um, that's m- much more of a popular fan favorite. Um, we have a Gwent player. We have Hearthstone players that pl- play together. We, we, we have a bunch. <laughs> and uh, we also have a local small town hero. He's from Pittsburgh as well. His name is Abate that participates in Smash. It's like a fighting game between like Nintendo characters. But the Knights aren't limited to a specific game but multitude of games that could be popular in different regions around the world. Um, our PUBG team, PUBG isn't like as crazy in America. Um, people still play it, but it's huge in China and huge in Europe. Um, that's why we have a European team. It's kind of like this brand that's Manchester United, where they have different uh, sports teams that they own. But that's what we want to do. We understand that Pittsburgh has always had this narrative of this grassroots localization type brand, and we wanted to blow Pittsburgh up and bring it global. And that's what the Knights are. We are here to essentially replicate what we all hold close to our hearts from Pittsburgh, but on a global scale. And what's really fascinating, sticking to that model or that that, uh, structure of competing in these different games it not only makes the brand more flexible. So if, you know, tomorrow there's a new game, there is capacity for, and and at least a conception of how that would be incorporated into the existing Knights brand, as opposed to like, if people start playing, you know, 3v3 basketball, there isn't a structure in place for like the Cavaliers to all of a sudden have a 3v3 team. They could, you can see where the parallels would be, but they're just not, they're built to have the one team and everything is solely oriented around that versus this slightly more adaptive structure. And also from the other side of the business model, these, you know, PUBG, Call of Duty, Fortnite, the companies that develop these games and own these games, they're actually having a stake in the league itself, as opposed to like, no one owns the sport of football. There's someone who, there's an organization that runs professional football in the United States, but it's a little less all encompassing, if that makes sense. Yeah, correct. So, um, and, and I go back to my original statement of like, there's not too much about the, the difference between sports and, and esports, but the main one that I really have to talk about is the, the, in esports, the video game developers own the IP. And the, in sports, no one, no one, like in, in the NFL, no, no one owns the, the, the IP to the pigskin, right? So ultimately, the NFL is the game developer. They hold all the rights and all the control to their game. They pick and choose and who's in the cool kids club and, and what needs to happen for their game to survive in an eSport. And yes, and the Knights have the ability to be adaptive, to go to the most popular games, to find the ridiculously high revenue games or, 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 or be diverse in their portfolio of, of having whatever game that's popular. Let's say, knock on wood, Halo dies tomorrow. We don't, we're not part of Halo, so we just move on to the next game. So we just keep having to go into the future of, of, of different games that come out. But I don't look at that as a roadblock or anything like that. They People always ask me, like, what happens if like Call of Duty, you know, 4, 5, 6 comes out and you have to get new players? Well, I don't look at titles how they are because esports players are always going to be good at their genre. And that's what I look at in terms of games, their genre. You've probably seen 
Cloaksy in the news or even like Ninja uh, of them playing Fortnite, but they've came from PUBG. They came from the original titles of of the genre, the Battle Royale, which is the virtual version of Hunger Games. Right, hundred people drop down. Last one that survives wins. But the same core concept um, transfers over to the different titles, and the concept of moving a reticule with your mouse is the same no matter what. So your skills as an esports player and as a pro of ten thousand hours into that specific into that specific talent that transfers. So that how I look at it is through genres, not through titles. And once again, another through line between these different sports organizations is the importance long-term for the viability of good management, of good ownership, of good leadership, because while the athletes may change, while the participants in the competition may change, you know, the Steelers, they have the, the Rooney family forever, and they've also had three coaches in the last like 40-something odd years. And so that kind of brings me to you as the leader of this organization, not necessarily participating in every tournament and competition, but really painting that vision of where are we going to allocate ourselves, which uh, specific games are we going to focus on, is a really interesting seat to sit in. It's, it's pretty distinct just worldwide. I want to sink my teeth a little bit into how you got here and what kind of prepared you to be in this role. So, yeah, um, the Knights, uh, I, I have a partner as well. Um, his name is James O'Connor. He's kind of like the Bill Belichick of esports. He's he's a, he he. Well, I don't want to say Bill Belichick. Because we're from Pittsburgh. He's Chuck Knoll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, for me, you know, I I didn't actually start in esports. I, mean, I was always like a fan. I actually uh, went to college for film, <laughs> believe it or not. Got a film degree. Um, went to Florida, and then immediately when I graduated, I went straight out to LA. Um, I worked in film and in the, the Hollywood industry for a little bit worked for a couple different companies before I transitioned into esports. I actually became a video producer in esports first. And then it slowly transferred to, since I was carving like narratives and following it a little bit more and more um, through college and, and now work, I started to understand context to everything that happened in esports. And context is the most important thing when it comes to any, any important narrative that you want to follow. Context um, figures out uh, what works. You know, you can probably put together five like five amazing players that are just on paper, like so good from different teams, and they just all really bad, or one doesn't like the other, or right. There's different relationships and 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 synergies that don't work, and that happens a lot in life too. But yeah, um, after I transitioned from video producing, went over to esports. Um, I managed a, a couple different teams, brought them up from the amateur level. And, Back then, it used to be this relegation system, kind of like soccer, where the amateur players, or amateur teams would play against professional teams. What I did was promoted an amateur team to the professional level, so that like top 10 in North America, twice for a game called League of Legends. Did that for the Los Angeles Renegades, helped out Misfits Gaming. They just received a ton of investment, but they partnered with the Miami Heat. Um, Renegades is purchased by Genesis Rebco. But that's those are different stories. Um, so I started that back in 2016, and I did that for a little bit, just getting players together and promoting them through the pro league. After that, I went back and was just kind of done with the management stuff. I wanted to go back into storytelling, creating brands that people could follow and relate to. Uh, so I joined this uh, venture capitalist-backed team called Immortals. They're most notably known for uh, Lincoln Park, the Memphis Grizzlies, Crosscut Ventures, and Lionsgate. Um, that was the first team 
during this not too shabby yeah this this the, it was the first team that had um a huge backing um when this huge explosion happened in esports and the only reason why this explosion kind of happened was because there was a shift in technological advances right when you talk about regular sports um television and the radio was backbone for the you know NFL and the MLB um so we're seeing this generation shift of how we absorb content I am part of that. I I don't pay for television by any means. So I stick to my computer, go to live streaming, streaming uh streaming companies like Netflix, Hulu, things like that, right? YouTube. And then that's how I absorb content. And I realized that in esports it's the same way. Younger demographic and audience, they don't purchase television when they go to college, they're on the computers, their laptop, their mobile devices. How do I absorb the content that is available and accessible to me. Well, that's through live streaming and through live streaming, esports was always the backbone for live streaming because there's always a show. There was always a competitive show that people can also relate to because they play the game in that show. So, now we're seeing live streaming become a real popular thing and it's slowly just there's no there's no cap to it. And I haven't seen a ceiling yet, and that's where like esports is that it's just that's where the explosion. So, I attached myself to that in late 2016 when uh, a lot of the cryptocurrencies were getting involved and a lot of the <laughs> skins and microtransaction gambling sites and and what not that's what really blew it up because everyone's like looking at the revenues and like wow this is amazing i want to get involved friendly face from pittsburgh mark cuban uh invested into a csgo gambling website cryptocurrency called unicorn at the time and uh it's it's been a wild ride from there i would say that esports is probably the one of the hottest investments in the world right now um just because everyone wants to know how to like navigate through that process and navigate through through the space because there's a lot of wild wild west out there uh, a lot of uh, virtual turf to take up and everyone's trying to get their piece of the real estate yeah The Going Deep podcast is underwritten by Piper Creative. Shooting, editing, and publishing quality content is overwhelming. We make it easy so you can save time, build your brand, and grow faster. Say hello at pipercreative.co. There's so many different directions we can go in terms of assessing the business of this. I want to stick to the Pittsburgh Knights for a little bit longer mm-hmm. before we kind of spread out. And on this streaming front, you you mentioned ninja earlier as one of these names who's risen to prominence and while some of these players you know certainly compete in tournaments and maybe get prize money for winning it or or participating in some degree the amount of money that gamers can now make as a streamer in in what is effectively not that i mean they're competing with the other people in whoever uh arena they enter but not in like a professional context mm-hmm. it is really fascinating to me how gamers are making these types of decisions do i join a team do i pursue you know a primarily professional competition route versus perhaps being more of the entertainer mm-hmm. uh and solo brand how do you navigate that as the operator of a team yeah so that that's a loaded question for sure and and streaming is just the the the, the result of technological advances again allows for people on a low budget to create their own show, create their own TV channel, right? I go on Twitch and I or 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 Facebook gaming or YouTube gaming to um watch a show essentially, absorb content. And through live streaming, you're able to do it by yourself. So it opens up the doors for streamers to be their own entrepreneur and create their own brand. And that's why it's so 
popping because it's it's such a popular avenue for them to um, put themselves in the spotlight. But you talk about Ninja or the other the other big names. Well, Ninja was originally an esports player, right? He used the platform, and this most of them, Shroud, those guys, they used the platform of esports when they were competing to gain the initial following. And then when they were done with their careers of being professionals, they couldn't really like, keep up with the young kids a little bit. Uh, so they moved to streaming. And when they brought their, they brought their um, core audience when they were popular to a streaming platform where they can make it their full-time career. There's tons of different revenues that they, they essentially uh, take from uh, subscriptions. It's, it's no different as if like a major network made their own television show, but imagine if you could make your own television show and be your own TD, um, create your own content and just put it out there and you choose your own hours that you go broadcast live that's what it really is um, at the end of the day. I'm watching not HBO, but I'm watching Ninja. So in terms of members of your team, are they also doing that type of stuff or are they training in a different capacity? Like just help us paint a picture of these participants and what their affiliations are. Like, is it, you know, I ride and die with the Knights. Are they kind of, you know, like I played Ultimate Frisbee. We had guys who like, oh, that were on the team this year. Oh, wait, they're not on the team anymore. Like what's going on? And yeah. it's much more of like a personal choice as opposed to trades being made or something like that. Yeah. So it's, it's more of a, you build a local community, you build a, a, an online community. Um, these guys that are with us, you probably know most of our players are signed under the nights and they play under a title, but there are some streamers that attach themselves to us because they see the power, powerfulness of the brand and they want to, it, it they want to, essentially build a brand. They're, they're entrepreneurs, right? Um, they wanted to attach themselves to something that was winning, what we, what we really stood for. Everything that we've kind of took was from Pittsburgh's traditional sports and translated to esports. Um, so we wanted to continue that old-fashioned motto. But yeah, so the other, the other people, they come to us and we provide them with opportunities to excel their own stream when they can't do themselves there is some form of type of training that comes involved and it's like hey like this is how you get to the next step we've done it before believe it or not ninja used to be one of my players on halo and you know i was his manager and i was working sponsorship deals for him and uh looking to get him to the next step and that's what the knights do the knights take our streamers and we push them uh forward to what they already have and we provide a lot of constructive feedback of like hey this is what you're doing this is how you commercialize it this is how you make passive income this is how um you push your content to the next level um and we're slowly doing that over time but some players aren't pros right um, Dr. Disrespect didn't come from a competitive esports background. Um, however, he was able to create a brand identity for himself that was like this 80s, 70s, 80s um, arcade champion, and he translated it to live streaming. So we help with the branding and, 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 and narrative for those streamers if they wanted to create their own identity. Do they have to live in Pittsburgh? No, actually, a lot of people ask that of you know, do do esports players or your, your streamers have to live in Pittsburgh? No, this is really kind of an online virtual world. Right. So when they ask about, oh, it, is the team from Pittsburgh, they only recruit Pittsburgh players? No, it's like the Steelers wouldn't recruit everyone from the University of Pittsburgh for their, right. for their esports team, or for their 
NFL team. Or like Manchester United or Barcelona. Correct. They've got guys from Brazil and yeah. wherever. Yeah, so th- they have them all from all over the place. Um, however, for our streamers, it, it's not really tailored to that. Um, we support them um, through their everyday, you know, just trying to get over that hump. You know, streamers, some streamers aren't even full-time. They juggle other jobs, um, but we provide support for them to transition to the full-time and um, push, like I said, push that content to the next level. Exactly. And it, it, that's what is so fascinating as an observer. Like, I'm just kind of a business nerd. I like to see how businesses yeah. work and these type of decisions. And when you're in an environment like this where it is the Wild West, like we, you know, you used the analogy before of television being the backbone for football and baseball and how, you know, currently the NBA is kind of in an ascendant state and they're going through a unparalleled age of player empowerment where the players decide this is where I want to play. I'm done being here and they can force their way out of teams when traditionally, you know, you go to a Pirates game, you go to a Steelers game, you're rooting for the jerseys. You know, you know who the stars are, but it's about the Steelers. It's about the Pirates. And in many ways, with esports as an outside observer, it's in this very similar vein, maybe even beyond NBA, where there's an insane amount of empowerment for the individuals and the players, but yet there's still a role for, you know, PUBG or League of Legends. Like it is about teams coming together. Like fundamentally, that's the structure of these games and these competitions. And the way that that comes together and the role that you and the team at the Knights uh, come together is just. It's just fascinating to observe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think how the industry is continuing to evolving because it's such an open platform, open source kind of um, world right now. You see a lot of teams and and or or players that hold their own following. Like we have, let's say we let's say we have Ninja on our team, and he's he's kind of like our team identity because he's so big, he's so popular, right? And he leaves, right? And essentially, his followers would go to him and we would be left as our own team. However, I think that's going to change as, as it grows, as franchises being introduced to different games. Um, you'll start to see the brand being more popular. You, you know, there's already instances of this, right? I hear FaceClan, Cloud9, TSM, those, those top brands in esports. However, they have already been existing even after their players have left. When you go down, trickle down through lower tiers, you'll start to see the identities start to overshadow. But that's only because um, the teams haven't really gotten sunk their claws into franchising models of different games. I think we'll start to see that change. I will say that Overwatch League does a really good job of this. When you hear of like the the different teams, the Los Angeles Valiant, you know, the New York Uprising, all those different teams. I don't really remember too much about the, the players, but you know, I'll always root for um, hometown, uh, hometown esports team, especially if you're from those cities. Uh, so yeah, I think there's going to be a shift from that, but there will always be a room for personalities. I think the brands will just be much larger in the future. So another thing that I was hoping to accomplish here before we wrap up the interview is provide some more legibility around the season and the structure of these competitions for these different for these different games. So I don't follow NASCAR, but I know the Daytona 500, uh, World Series, Stanley Cup, yada, yada. Can you go through a couple of these specific games and talk about uh, the championship, like maybe 
like the time of year and what that kind of tentpole event is mm-hmm. so that people can kind of understand that side of it? Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of the bigger esports titles have specific schedules, structures um, when it comes to their leagues. Very similar to the NFL or MLB. Usually, we'll, we'll, ta- we'll take League of Legends and even Overwatch, for example. It's, it's beginning of the year, starts January. They play throughout their entire season, and that kind of ends around October, right, right the beginning of October, and then their world final will start there. It's a little bit different because each league, imagine we'll take NFL because there's some non-endemics listening to this podcast. The NFL, right? You have it all in America. But imagine if there was the NFL in China, the NFL in different countries, and they take the top three of our NFL and pit them against the top three of their NFL and the other countries' NFLs. And then they play into a world championship. They seed into it. And then they play in one month to figure out who is the best in the world. So just because there's the city slots of the original North American League, you would go and represent America globally. So that's how a lot of these these franchises and a lot of these leagues are structured. Now we're seeing uh, PUBG Pro League be that way. We're seeing Smite and all these other games follow suit that they would seed into a much global and larger audience afterwards. Um, so that's why it's, I would say esports is not it hasn't reached its ceiling in that capacity. Far from it, far from it. Um, what's exciting, I, I think that this is going to be really helpful for people who are basically just kind of wrap their fingers around um, how this all works and understand a little bit better. What, if anything, were you hoping to share today that I didn't give you a chance to? Ooh, um, I mean, I think I think uh, there's, a, there's an exciting, some exciting news in the future to come, um, especially for Pittsburgh, and I, I assume most of your listeners are from Pittsburgh. There's huge moves um, from different individuals that are coming together and uh, working to navigate the esports space. And I hope that people are following along to just be a part of the narrative. Esports is intimate, you know. It's it's different from regular sports because when I I always use this analogy when I talk about Roethlisberger or Antonio Brown, you tweet at those guys or you message those guys. There is a there's a wall of of celebrity status, mm-hmm. you know, there's probably a one in a million chance that they'll respond to you. But in esports, because the platform is so intimate, right? We'll we'll even talk about Ninja. I can go on Ninja Stream right now, message him, and and subscribe to him or whatever, and he'll answer me back. I'm part of the narrative. I'm following his journey, what what his his story is going to be. Imagine if Roethlisberger, every day, at practice, he sets up his phone and he's he's throwing the ball left and right right but you're able to connect with him and ask him what's his day like what was what happened in the locker room what's his relationship with bell you know what's been going on everyone eats that up and they want to be a part of it you feel connected you feel a part of the journey and that's what esports really is there is no wall anymore um you can follow your favorite esports player from their rookie coming out of college or just trying to be drafted and they finally do and you're you were there um i think those that contextual story is better than a book better than a movie because you're actually living it i totally agree and i i'm fascinated by certain cultures permeating other cultures so for example i would bet that there are a significant number of people who learned 
a Fortnite related dance, but they don't even know that it's from Fortnite. They've right. just seen someone do it and they've seen enough people do it. They're like, oh, I need to learn how to do that dance. Yeah, I always see the people, it. the kids flossing and I just did it. And yeah. then I realized it's from Fortnite too. So Exactly. <laughs> so an, an, another example of that is what basically what you're saying. If you, you just suggested this scenario and yeah. Roethlisberger, you know, like he's opening a restaurant. I don't know if he's going to necessarily do that in the near future, mm-hmm. but you're seeing some of the younger talent like Juju Smith-Schuster and other people just even be in touch with the world of esports and maybe that's something that they would then take from like that idea of accessibility is going to permeate these other sports i think that's almost a given yeah yeah the kids go nuts every single time he d- gets a touchdown and they're yeah. waiting for the celebration and everyone's waiting to retweet something he's doing like kamehameha wave right but yeah i th- i think uh i think uh it's crossing over it's kind of weird now thinking like Antonio Brown's like the the big guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then you check the social media and like Juju's all over it. He's getting like thirty thousand likes on it. He's, yeah. he's trolling the you know the Jaguars with his 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 suit that he comes out after the game. He's like, "Yep, I'm wearing the pelt." <laughs> exactly. Beautiful. Um, well, this has been fascinating, Rob. I want to make sure that people get the digital coordinates that they need to follow along, learn more, and check out the Knights and everything that you're doing. Where can we point people? Sure. Um, for for the Knights and the team. Um, most of it's Knights GG um, on Twitter, uh, Facebook is Knights GG again. Um, and if you can't find it with, through Knights GG, it's usually just Knights. We were able to get it on Instagram, which is so cool. Wow. Because I, we, just, we just beat it out. We had that. Sorry, Vegas Golden Knights. I beat you to the punch. I had the brand first. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you, you can find it through that. And if you can't find us through Knights GG or Knights, it's probably Pittsburgh Knights. Can't really. We have so many socials. You yeah. Know? Just go to our website. I'm assuming GG. If you're listening to a podcast, you have at least a base level of internet competence that you should be able yeah. to find if, on the appropriate platform. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to follow um, my personal journey, um, you can follow me on Leonix, uh, L-E-O-N-Y-X, um, or I am Leonix. That's pretty much the 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 different social media platforms that you can follow me on. Cool. We're going to link that all in the show notes. Goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast is the place to find it for this and every episode of the show. But as we do at the end of each of these conversations, Rob, I want to give you the mic one final time to issue an actionable personal challenge for the audience. Ooh, personal challenge. Um, since there's a lot of new people, non-endemics to MySpace, I challenge them to do their own esports 101 finding and just kind of poke around a little bit. Pick a game that you like different genre, whether that be a MOBA or a shooter or third-person shooter, um, or even uh, they're new into the Battle Royale stuff. It's all fun and exciting. So, yeah, I challenge them to uh, attach themselves and find enjoyment through a different platform. Yeah, do something new. I love it. We just went deep with Rob Lee. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Going Deep. Check out our back catalog. We have a ton of conversations with tech entrepreneurs from around the Pittsburgh region. These change makers are making an impact far beyond the scope of Western Pennsylvania. You're going to want to study them, learn from them, and take some key insights from their work. Check out our back catalog, including a fascinating interview with Griffin Schultz of Rapid Flow Technologies. He and his company, help reduce traffic with smart sensors and artificial intelligence, reducing congestion by 20 to 40% in major metropolises like Atlanta and Pittsburgh. That is just one great example of the conversations we have here at Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Hope that you hit that subscribe button. Thanks for listening. 
Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.